We live in an age of dishonesty and untruth. In fact, recently I read an article that was written by Dr. Al Mohler, who's the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, a very astute man. And he wrote an article entitled, The Post-Truth Era, Welcome to the Age of Dishonesty. And here's what he said. Have we now reached a stage of social evolution that is beyond honesty? That fascinating question, he said, is raised by author Ralph Keyes in his new book, The Post-Truth Era, Dishonesty and Deception in Contemporary Life. The author of the book, Ralph Keyes, says, I think it's fair to say that honesty is on the ropes. Deception has become commonplace at all levels of contemporary life, end of quote. Dr. Moeller went on to say, by the time you finish reading this book, Keyes is likely to have convinced you that dishonesty is now the order of the day and that deception has now been institutionalized at virtually every level of American culture. And I'm afraid he's correct, don't you? He has pulled together an enormous body of evidence, all pointing to the pervasive rise of dishonesty in American life. And then I end with this. It is a creeping assumption at the start of this new millennium that there are things more important than truth. And I've experienced that, and so have you. But I want to tell you this morning, contrary to what is commonly believed, there is nothing more important than truth. If there really is no definitive, articulated, constant, steadfast truth, then, brother, we're in a world of trouble. Then there is no anchor. There is no absolute. But thank God we know there are absolutes. There is truth. We believe, as Christians, that all truth is God's truth, and that God has chosen to reveal truth in his revelation we call the Holy Bible. The scriptures, the word of God. And y'all should have shouted me down right then. If you believe that, say amen. If you believe this book, the Bible, is the truth of God, say amen right there. Now, why did I have you? Because I want you to understand that we deal in truth when we open the scripture. We don't deal in speculation. We deal in truth. And God has called us as Christians to deal in truth and truth telling and truthfulness. Now this isn't a sermon on people telling the truth. But I want you to understand that we live in dishonesty all around us. It is, unfortunately, part of our nature. That's why it's rare and refreshing to find somebody that won't lie to you. I'd rather you tell me the truth and hurt my feelings than to lie to me. Just tell me the truth. But that seems to be the exception rather than the rule. It's not normal today to have somebody just be honest 
and their yay is yay, or their nay is nay, and, 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 and they're so reliable, as one person said, that if they told you a rooster dips snuff, you can look under his wing for the can. Right? You can just take it, just go ahead and mark it down, take it to the bank. You don't have to check behind them, you don't have to, you know, I'm, I'm just telling you, that's rare. We don't live in that culture anymore, unfortunately. But I want to tell you something, I want you to hear me carefully. That's why when Jesus makes the statements and the statement about the Holy Spirit, listen carefully, that He is the Spirit of truth. That's why that's so refreshing. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So I want you to look with me, John chapter 14. Look at verse 16. We'll begin there. If you with me now, say amen. And I will pray the Father, I'll ask the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. One just like Jesus, remember, the comforter, the paraclete, the one who's been called alongside of us. Watch this, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Now look down at verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. In other words, he'll bring all things. uh, he'll, he'll, He'll remind you. It means to remind quietly, to suggest to the memory. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Turn one chapter over to John 15. Look at John 15, 26. John 15, 26. But when the Comforter is come, when the Holy Spirit is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit, there it is again, the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, He, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, He shall testify of me. In other words, He testifies of Christ within the hearts of believers, so that we can go to the world and testify of Christ outwardly. Now turn another chapter to John 16. Look at verse 12, please. John 16, verse 12. I have yet many things, Jesus said, to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he... Here it is again, verse 13. The spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Uh, Jesus said he will guide you. It literally means that he will, and this is powerful, he will show you the way. He'll show you. He'll lead you the way. He'll he'll lead the way and guide you and show you how you can have truth. He'll guide you into all truth. Literally, you say, "Now, now preacher, does that mean he'll tell me everything? You ever read this statement and and, and, and thought to yourself, well, does that mean I'm going to know it all? I mean, man, if the Holy Spirit's going to guide me into all truth, does that mean he's going to tell me everything? No, not necessarily. That's not what Jesus is saying. 
Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit will guide us and reveal to us and lead us into all truth that is necessary for you and I to know in order to please God in this world. That's what that means. This promise from Jesus doesn't mean that he will make you a genius. Okay, you're not going to be the next Einstein. Well, you might be, but it won't be because of this, I promise you. What it does mean, it's a promise that he will guide you and reveal to you all the truth that you need to know for your life in order for you to please Jesus. That's what that means. It says, for he shall speak of himself, he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. In other words, God the Father is going to, is going to uh, enable, is going to uh, grant uh, the Holy Spirit as God. He's going to show what the Father gives him, and he will show you things to come. He, the Holy Spirit, shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, or from my hand, and shall show it unto you. Three times in these three chapters, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. Let's talk about that. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? How does that truth relate to your life and mine right here today on Sunday morning in 2018? First of all, notice what I call the title he holds. Notice the title that the Holy Spirit holds. He's the Spirit of Truth. That's one of the designations that Jesus gave the Holy Spirit. Adam Clark said that his essential office, listen, is to manifest, vindicate, and apply the truth. The gospel of Christ may be thus called because it exposes falsity, it removes error, and it teaches the knowledge of the true God. It shows the way to God. It saves from vanity and elusive hopes and establishes solid happiness in the souls of all those who believe. That's why he's called the Spirit of Truth. A.T. Robertson, the Greek scholar, said that the Holy Spirit is marked by truth. He gives truth and he defends truth. Jesus said that he, Jesus, was the truth, John 14, 6. Now he is referring to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. D.A. Carson said he's called the spirit of truth primarily because he communicates the truth. One commentator, one scholar said that it literally means when Jesus said he's the spirit of truth, it literally means how the Greek is constructed. It means he's the spirit of the truth. Warren Wiersbe said, since he is the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit cannot lie or be associated with lies. He never leads us to do anything contrary to the word of God, for the word of God is truth. So in other words, everything about the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. It's true. He's going to reveal truth. He will never lead you in a false way. He'll never lead you deceptively. He'll never lead you to act deceptively. He's truth. He's truth. He's the spirit of truth. So notice number two, the task he accomplishes. 
And Jesus shares all these things with us. In chapter 14, verse 26, he said, listen, he will teach you all things. In that same verse, he said, he will remind and he will bring all things to your remembrance. He'll remind us of things. Chapter 15, verse 26, says that the Holy Spirit will testify of Jesus. In 1613, he says he will guide you into all truth. In 1614, he says he will glorify Jesus. In 1614, he said he will show you spiritual things. Notice these words, these verbs. He will teach, he'll remind, he'll testify, he'll guide, he'll glorify, he'll show. And the Holy Spirit is doing all of those things simultaneously in the life of every single believer. Because remember, friend, every believer possesses the Holy Spirit of God. So he's the spirit of truth and he's reminding us, he's teaching us, he's testifying of Jesus. He's bringing all things to our remembrance that we need to know. He's guiding us into truth that we need to know. He's glorifying Christ. He's lifting up Jesus in our hearts and minds so we can lift up Jesus in the world. He's showing us spiritual things. The Holy Spirit is active. The Holy Spirit is alive. The Holy Spirit is moving. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is within us. The Holy Spirit is not dead or dormant. He's doing all of these things. So we've noticed the title that he holds, the task that he accomplishes, and then thirdly, we notice the things he reveals. What is it that he reveals? He is the revealer. He's the one who exposes. He's the one that shows. He's the one that opens up our minds. He's the one that brings these things to our remembrance. What is it that he's revealing to us? Well, in one passage, Jesus says he is going to show us all things. Again, does that mean he's going to show us everything in the world? Does that mean he's going to show us the latest move to make with our stock options and our mutual funds? (laughs) Is that the all things he's talking about? Does that mean he's going to reveal to us today up before the game who's going to win the game this afternoon? Does that mean he's going to reveal uh, something about the future to you as it relates to your life? Some of you young people in here and you single adults, uh, does that mean that right now he's going to give you a glimpse and a revelation and an epiphany of, boom, the person you're going to be married to in two years? Probably not. See, we have to be careful about those things. And again, thinking that the Holy Spirit is kind of like the genie in the bottle. That when we rub the bottle, Holy Ghost pops out and says, Okay, I'll grant you three wishes and I'll reveal anything to you that you want to know. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not making an absurd promise here. He is saying to us, and He is giving us a promise that He will show us and tell us Everything you and I need to know in this world for us to please Jesus. That's what he's saying. The truth of God that at times in our natural man, it is not only difficult to discern, but he's going to tell us, we're going to read it in just a moment, it's impossible for the natural man to perceive the things of God and to understand it. Because 
The natural man is unredeemed. The natural man isn't even on the same wavelength spiritually that God is. And so we must have someone who can help us and bridge the gap. And the Holy Spirit does that. He teaches us all things. He reveals all things we need to know. He reveals Jesus to us, it says. And then he reveals all truth. That statement is made there. So let's bring this home. You still with me this morning? Say amen. Let's bring this home. Granite preacher, he's the spirit of truth. He reveals things to us. He's active. He's working. He's reminding. So, okay, big whoop. (laughs) What does that mean to us? Well, let's answer some questions. Number one, does the Holy Spirit do these things for us today? Or was this just for the apostles? There are some that say, oh, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, when he's saying this to the apostles, he's only meaning them. He's only going to remind them. He's only going to teach them. He's only going to bring to their memory things for remembrance, not us. We can't apply this to us. Can I beg to differ and I say that he does these same things for you and I today in some measure or another? He still speaks, thank God. He still, go to 1 Corinthians 2. Would you please quickly turn in your Bible? He still speaks. He still guides. I want you to see this. That's why I'm asking you to go there. He still enlightens. 1 Corinthians. Right after Romans. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Notice what he says. Look at verse 12. Paul says, now, listen, we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Well, who's that? That's the Holy Spirit. We've received the Holy Spirit from God that we might know the things, watch this, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now stop right there. A.T. Robertson said about that phrase, God expects us to understand the things freely given to us by Him. He said, I've given you the Holy Spirit so that you will know the things I want you to know so that you'll know the things that I've given to you to understand. So He doesn't just say, hey, 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 I want you to know this. He gives us the Holy Spirit who will teach us these things. But if we have the Holy Spirit and we do as a Christian, guess what? God expects us to know this. He expects us to be receiving. He expects us to be open. He expects us to be always learning. That's why I'll say it until the day I die, I hope. Don't ever quit learning and growing as a Christian. Don't ever quit studying God and the Word. How in the world can we as mere humans ever fully, completely figure out and learn and discern everything there is to know in this life about an infinite God who's written an incredible book like the Bible? That's why we ought to always be reading and studying and meditating on Christ through His Word. 
Oh, please, Christian, listen to me. Listen to me, church member. Listen to me, believer. Don't ever quit having your quiet time. Don't ever quit reading good books. Don't ever quit listening to good podcasts and things like that that gets the Word in us and helps get us in the Word. I challenge you. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I don't know. Friend, it's not about having to do it. It's about wanting to do it. I want to do this. I want to learn more about my Savior. I want to learn more about God who is so incredible. He is. He's unbelievable. Don't ever stop growing and reading and learning. Can I get a witness in the house today? You know why most of us in here are bored with God? Because our knowledge of Him has remained shallow. And that's so, so that's your impression of Jesus. I challenge you, friend, my goodness, go deeper with Him. Once you begin to do that, he'll satisfy your soul like you've never been satisfied before. He says he's still talking. He's still communicating. He wants us to understand this. Keep reading there what he says in verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual that word comparing there, it, doesn't, it, it literally means joining or combining. It's the word for connection. So in other words, the Holy Spirit connects and helps us connect spiritual things together. The Holy Spirit is the one who connects the dots for us, we would say. See, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, verse 14, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. The things that God wants us to know are spiritually discerned. That word discerned is a very powerful word. It literally means judged, ascertained, apprehended, investigated. It literally means a sifting process. Hear this by a judge in a court of law to get to the bottom of the truth through investigation. And here's a judge who has all this evidence laid out before him and he must make a decision about the evidence he's been given and what he is saying here is that the Holy Spirit of God in our lives helps us in that investigation and he helps us connect connect the dots, and he reveals the truth to us as we need to know it. And he unveils it. And we're able to discern it. We're able to judge and gauge and figure out all the things we don't know that we need to know. Proverbs 20, verse 27. Listen to what your Bible says. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Think about that verse. The spirit of man, that's your conscience. A conscience enlightened by and aligned with the spirit of God. Not an unredeemed conscience, but a conscience that's been made alive and quickened by the power of God and is in alignment with the Holy Spirit. 
God says your conscience, the Holy Spirit, listen carefully now, uses your conscience to speak to you and direct you. That's where he speaks. He speaks to our conscience. You're not going to hear him audibly, but he directs our spirit, the spirit of man, the conscience of man. If yielded to the Holy Spirit of God is the candle of the Lord, he says, is God's flashlight. And the Holy Spirit will direct our way and our path. So how does he do this? How does the Holy Spirit do this? What does he use? Oh, you know this. He uses, obviously, Scripture. He uses sermons. He uses lessons. Hey, he even uses songs, right? And that's why scripturally based, God-filled music is so vitally important in every Christian life in this room. And I encourage you, get it playing in your car. Get it playing in your home. Get it playing and pumping into your heart and your head day in and day out. How many times in my life and yours has God used words or truth from a scripturally based song to encourage us, to speak to us, to prod us, to prompt us? He uses scripture. He uses sermons and lessons. He uses songs. He uses situations. The Holy Spirit will bring together thoughts that arise in a situation in which you find yourself and you will say, I don't know what to do. But he's used the situation to get your attention and bring you to the end of yourself. And some of you were there this morning and I didn't, you, you, you didn't plan on hearing this, but the Holy Spirit has brought you here because you know there's a situation in your life and you're at the end of your own rope. He's got you just right where he wants you. Those times. And he uses situations to speak to you. At times he uses solitude. And I challenge you, that's why I believe in getting by yourself every day. Getting alone with God every day. Getting silent. Be still and know that I am God. He doesn't say, hurry up and know that I'm God. He says, get still and quiet and then you will know that I am God. He uses saints. He uses other Christians to speak truth into our lives. Maybe through a a note of encouragement or a text message or a letter or a phone call that says, hey, brother, hey, sister, God put you on my heart today, and I'm trying to encourage you. God gave me this, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I read this verse this morning. Maybe it'll help and bless and say something to you. Y'all ever been there on that receiving end? Sometimes he uses another Christian through the form of rebuke or reproof. Don't dismiss that. That could be a dear child of God who the Lord directed your way to get your attention about something in your life.
so do we as believers have any responsibility in this at all? <laughs> I mean, is it all on the Holy Spirit? I remind you of what is stated seven times in Revelation 2 and 3. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What's my responsibility, preacher? My responsibility is to listen. To pay attention, listen, and do what he says. So here's the question. Are you listening? How well are you listening? How well are we obeying? What does this look like in your life and mine? Well, let me tell you what he does. See, the Holy Spirit, when I listen to him, when he's speaking to me, when I obey, he clears up faulty thinking. He does. He wants to do that for you. He directs us into correct doctrine he wants to do that for you. He shows us what we need to do in certain situations. <laughs> he helps us discern right from wrong and even good, better, and best. He cultivates and develops our spiritual sensitivities. He guides, listen, he guides, did, did you hear what I said? He cultivates our sensitivity. See, I'm talking to some people. You used to be way more spiritually in tune and way more spiritually sensitive than you have been in the last few months. What happened? Who changed? Who stiff-armed the Holy Ghost? See, he develops and deepens those sensitivities so that we'll know what to do. He guides and guards our feet to keep us in the right path if we'll let him. He puts a block in our spirit to keep us from making bad decisions. Have you ever, you were almost ready to make a judgment call on something or a decision about something, and I mean you were just that close, and all of a sudden you couldn't explain it, you didn't know why, but you had this foreboding sense in your spirit that that wasn't what you needed to do. Anybody in here like that? And you didn't know why. But the Holy Spirit, he put the brakes on it right then immediately. Paul even talked about that. We wanted to go over here, but the Spirit didn't let us. shifted gears on us why does the Holy Spirit do that I'm convinced he does that to save us from bad decisions because gang he can see the end from the beginning we can't 
It could be about a relationship. It could be about a business partnership. It could be about a job transition or a house purchase or a car purchase or whatever it is. I could list a thousand different things. But the Holy Spirit knows how to put the brakes in your spirit to stop us from making bad decisions. Can I get a witness? And I promise you he does that. He's speaking, amen. He's speaking. Are you listening? Are you listening? You're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And while I've been talking on the outside, there's been somebody talking on the inside. And that's the Spirit of God saying, you need to be saved. You need to repent of your sin Leave your unbelief. Turn away from that and come embrace Jesus as your Lord. Will you do that today? Will you do that today? Will today be your day for salvation? And then for the believers, the Holy Spirit's been talking. What's he saying to you? I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and I want you to consider praying this prayer. God, help me to be more in tune with you. Will you pray that prayer? Help me, God, to be more in tune with you. Right now, as our heads are bowed and our eyes closed, we're preparing for this invitation. Susan's going to start playing as soon as she gets ready. Our heads are bowed. I'm asking you right now, please, listen carefully. What is the Spirit of God saying to you? 